Welcome to Real Talk this week. I am Tina. And I am Anne. Oh, Tina, today is such a special day for me and my family. I mean, one year ago, one year ago, we stood in front of the judge and he put down that gavel and he said, you guys are a family. And I can't tell you, oh my, I can't believe it's been a year since we have adopted these three kids. I can't either. I know. I mean, it's just such a blessing. And we're going out tonight to the restaurant that we went to the day of. So to celebrate and it's just a big day. I am just so proud to be their mama. I, I just, I love hearing that. And I know that to be true. I remember this day for your family too. What a gift you are to them. And truthfully, I don't know many grandparents who would want to adopt their grandkids and make them their own kids, literally, because you've already done this once, but now your grandkids are your next generation of children. Yeah. You're amazing. Well, and I just don't even see it them as my grandkids, you know, I mean, we've had them for over six years and it's just been such a journey. And yes, they are my grandkids, but uh, it is just, I, you know, when you get that call and they just say, you know, you got to come get them and it's children's services, the police are taking them and they say, you know, they're, they're being taken out of the home. Can you take them? Mm -hmm. Uh, There is only one answer. I mean, there was only one answer for me. So Um, Anyway, but we want to get back and kind of talk about this episode because we really do have a a big one today. You know, as we were just saying about my three kids being adopted because they did come out of a pretty horrific situation. Uh, I adopted my older two who are now in their 20s and I can see what abuse can do. So trauma can live with us forever. It can live in us in different ways. And I pray that each of you who are listening that have lived through any horrific event with PTSD come to some kind of understanding with it and can manage it. I lived a very large portion of my younger years in PTSD and didn't know what exactly it was until it was explained to me in my 20s. But it can be as simple as the smell of something that triggers you back to a bad event or a sound. Yeah, and I think it's something that impacts more people than we might expect because PTSD used to be something you really only heard about impacting people in the military and armed forces. And that is not only the case. It's impacting so very many people. Yeah, I mean, they've really broadened that term over the years. In an article from health.com actually states that six out of 10 people will experience PTSD in their lifetime. And I and I really do think in the kind of world that we live in now, I think it's probably much higher than that. Um, but anyway, with that number, it's a lot of people. Now, with younger kids, it can come out in different ways, like wetting the bed, Selective mutism, which is when a child can speak, but they lose their voice in certain situations. They can act out and play. And that is why play therapy is so important with traumatized kids. We've we've had play therapy with one of our kids, especially. But I always watch my kids play and their play is very telling. Oh, yes, it is so telling and so important to watch that, look at that, and then figure out, well, what does it mean? 
So PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder for anybody that doesn't know, but it is like a reliving of a life-threatening event. It used to be for men in war, like Tina said earlier, but it can be anything from loss to a natural disaster, something that you witness. I can still remember a car accident that I witnessed and it still replays in my mind. It's always in slow motion when I think of it too. I was next to this white van and I can remember it so vividly. And I saw this truck coming down the hill and it just, it wasn't slowing down. So I kept looking at the man trying to get his attention next to me in the white van, but he just wasn't. He wasn't looking my way. He didn't even see the truck coming his way and it hit him and he was instantly killed. And I had to go to court as the witness. And do you know that every time that I still go on that and I avoided that section of the highway for a really long time. But any time that I go near that section of the highway, I I remember it like it was yesterday. I can only imagine witnessing something like that and then having the PTSD from it that takes you right back. Yeah. One thing I want to point out is that not everyone gets PTSD after a traumatic event like that or any kind of a traumatic event, but it does not make you weak if it does develop. Because one of the reasons why it can develop, and there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons is that you had trauma early in life and we were already exposed. So I have heard recently or learned recently that trauma before three years old can be seen in your teeth. Really? Yes. There are almost like streaks across your teeth that indicate early trauma. Our bodies really do keep the score, which is actually a book title I think I've talked about before. And if not, it's called The Body Keeps the Score. Everybody, I feel like, should read that book. Anyway, the first symptom of PTSD can be flashbacks, which are unwanted, intrusive memories, which can make a trauma survivor feel like they're reliving the traumatic event. And that's according to health.com. So for me, we had mice in our house this past fall or winter. We lived in our home for 15 years and never had an incident until this past fall, winter. And I experienced PTSD from them. I experienced this symptom. They were the trigger. It was a traumatic 31 nights that it took to catch them both. But that traumatic incident led me to see a trauma counselor to work things out from my past that I didn't realize were still an issue. And I'm really grateful that something that was honestly, truly, I was at the end of my rope. I remember having my husband come home that Friday night And I looked at him on, this is night 31 that we've had mice in our house, couldn't catch them and exterminators couldn't catch them. It was like we were living with the world's smartest mice. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, this is it. I cannot stay here anymore because of the trauma that this is triggering for me. I lost most of my hair. It just fell off, broke off. I lost so much weight. I was so hyper-focused, hyper-vigilant about anything in this house. I searched constantly. It was absolute torture. And I said, I cannot do this to myself anymore. I'm going to have to leave. I don't even know where I'm going to stay, but I'm going to have to leave. 
And about an hour, hour and a half after that conversation, we caught the mice. And of course, you don't know at the time, is that it? You know, is that everything? But we made repairs to the our home where we knew in the basement that they had gotten in these little holes, you know, where the basement meets the outside. There were just some holes there that we you couldn't see unless you actually stood on top of something. So I can totally relate to this symptom. Absolutely. And it's it, it is it is horrible, awful. Isn't that interesting, though, how the mice revealed something to you from your past that you didn't even really realize was there. I mean, yeah. that's what, right. I mean, that's what trauma. That can I wanted do. to get help. I'm so proud of myself, honestly. Yeah. I decided, okay, no, I'm going to, now that I know it's there, oh, we're going to get myself some help. Now <laughs> the help's not helping as soon as I'd like it to, but I'm, I'm going through yeah. all the steps, you know, it's, it's a process. It really is. I mean, when trauma is in there, it takes a long time for it to heal. But I mean, I am really proud of you too, Tina, that you acted on this and you're getting the help that you need because, mm-hmm. you know, some, it, it it's actually takes a strong person to really do something when something like that is revealed. It, it's hard. Um, so hard, but now it's a blessing, you know, now I'm thankful for it and everything that I'm learning and how I'm growing and how I'm very slowly changing (laughs) my thoughts, my ways. Um, you know, I often think what will happen, what would happen if that happened again? Like, would I react the same way? And huh, that's don't know. Huh. That is really interesting. Not that you want to find out. (laughs) Right. No, I really don't. But I just wonder, do I have enough tools now to get through something like that again or, or not, you know, would it be too strong that I would forget all of the things that I've learned? I I don't know. And I know I don't want to know, but that's just kind of it. You never know when something's going to trigger you. Right. Yeah. Especially when, uh, it's been so far back. Right. I mean, that's what I was talking about with that accident I witnessed. I mean, it still becomes so real even today when I go in that area of the highway, even though it was way back in the mid nineties when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen, I didn't even know mine was there. So I can understand how, even though it happened long ago for you too, that it, it triggered that. Well, one of the other symptoms of PTSD is nightmares about the events and sleep disturbance can be high with PTSD. My beautiful mom suffers from this with her PTSD from a lifetime of abuse. So she has nightmares even still with her early onset dementia. She has nightmares several times a week and has for years and years. Oh boy, that poor lady. And I hate this for her. And she doesn't remember them, which is, I guess, the good part of it. Mm. But it wakes my dad up and he goes through it. Like she fights him in her sleep. It's it's Um. a very awful... It's a really awful thing, it's a really awful be, side effect, if you will. It's got to be so real for her. That's got to be so sad. Yeah, I, I hate that for her. I really do. Well, I used to have a lot of disturbed sleep quite a few years ago, and I would wake up in sweat, just sweat from nightmares. But 
I can say that I sleep pretty good right now. <laughs> um, I, I almost never have a nightmare and I rarely remember any dreams, but there was a time where I had them nightly and I didn't want to go to sleep. It was almost like that Nightmare on Elm Street movies, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, not that realistic, of course, but the same concept of not wanting to stay awake and trying really hard not to fall asleep. So I wouldn't dream. I'll tell you what, just hearing that movie gives me <laughs> all the creeps because when I oh. had watched it before, I did get nightmares from it. I can't watch any scary movies anymore. Actually, not because of that movie. It was because of the um, the exorcism of Emily Rose movie, but I've stopped watching any horror movie, any type oh, yeah. of, you know, exorcism type movie. I, I just, I absolutely can't because I cannot sleep and sleep is too important. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't we don't watch horror movies either. I I the old classic ones are the ones yeah. that I love. In fact, I collect old horror movies and I have some bobbleheads and different things figures of, you know, the original Dracula and stuff like that. It's a it's like a passion of mine, but I not past like I don't know, maybe the 70s. It get, they start getting too realistic to me. I don't want to watch them. Yes, I agree. I agree. Now the third symptom is hypervigilance. And this has been my life. I am probably one of the most vigilant people in the room. I never let people sit behind me. When I'm in church, I'm in the last pew. I always sit with my back out to whatever is going on in the room. I have to see every corner of a room. And it can be exhausting to notice everything in the room in a day, but I just have to see what's going on because I can't trust anyone behind me. I never knew that about you. I can only imagine how exhausting that is. I have a friend who used to be in the military who suffers from this. And like I said, I just feel like that would be exhausting because I did experience that with our mouse incident I mean, I was on alert and that was the problem. The mouse triggered me that I thought it was an intruder who was going to take control of me, if you will, where I would just have no way to break free. That's Mm. kind of, I guess, the best way to describe what it did to me. So I can, Mm -hmm. in that experience, I can say hypervigilance was, I was exhausted. Uh, So yeah, I, I really... Oh, I can't imagine. And I'm so sorry, friend. I hope that one day maybe that that gets better for you where you become less hypervigilant. I hope so. Yeah, I don't know. I look at it almost as a superpower, I guess, because. Yeah. Yeah. OCD side of me that can be a superpower, you know, in the right situations, they can be and in the wrong ones. They can sometimes be a little debilitating. So yeah, Yeah. it goes back. Yeah, it can definitely be both. Well, one of the other symptoms of PTSD is getting startled easily. PTSD can really reveal itself with some exaggerated reactions to a sound or a smell. And this can take a person right back to their original trauma. Yeah, I still jump if someone is in the room and I was not expecting them. Or if I turn around and someone is like right there and, you know, somebody in our family is just standing there. I mean, it scares me to death. I say that in my house. I'm like, when I startle one of my kids or my husband, I'm like, I do live here, you know. (laughs) So it's kind of our, our little joke. 
Um, and, and it's okay to joke with them in that situation because they haven't experienced PTSD, but I can relate to, I do get startled very, very easily. Uh, one of the other notable symptoms of PTSD is depression. It's a big one for people with trauma and oftentimes shame, anger, hopelessness, guilt, they can all lead to depression. Unfortunately, a disengagement with others happens when there's depression and there can be less interest in doing normal activities that someone once liked. So this is an area that I can absolutely say that I struggle with at times. And my sweet mom has too from, you know, trauma throughout her life and the trauma that I've experienced in mine. I'm sorry, Tina, that because I feel like anybody that goes through depression, that it's one of the hardest battles to fight. It is getting out of bed in the morning sometimes is the victory for the day. And I don't think people who are healthy minded, I guess I would say, even realize how blessed they are. Because the one thing I know you and I've talked about many, many times is I just want to be just want to have a healthy mind. You know, a lot of my scars and my trauma had absolutely nothing to do with me, meaning I did not cause them. It Mm -hmm. feels so unfair. Now it is my issue and it is my job to work through it and and get better. But I'll tell you what, sometimes it's so exhausting because it can be a daily challenge. Mm. Well, you know, this is something that I rarely fight, you know, with all the symptoms of PTSD. I just have never been a depressive type of person. Now, my scars have made me what my life has been, even the worst of of it has made me who I am. I mean, that's what I say. I embrace my scars. I embrace who I am. I embrace what's happened to me. I mean, I didn't have to love what happened to me, but it is mine. It's my story. And I have just never gone into depression with it. I always see the glass half full, no matter how bad the situation is, I guess I could say not that other people that go into depression feel the opposite of that necessarily, but it's just not somewhere I have gone with the pain that I have gone through. You are so lucky and I'm so glad for that because I wish that It was different for me and I didn't experience this side, but I'll tell you what I know about me. I'm a fighter. I'll never give up. And I hope anyone listening, you feel that way too. Uh, The next symptom that health.com lists for PTSD is anger and irritability. The same feelings of guilt, shame, and sadness can also lead to anger. It really seems like all these feelings are so interrelated. Yeah, it definitely does. I think it's like a big bowl of spaghetti is how I interpret it. Lots of interconnectedness. Yes. The article talks about survival mode. And, you know, this is a mode that I have lived in the majority of my life. And we could do an entire episode on that. And maybe we will someday. But when you're living in this mode, it can take you to an anger where you even react to small stressors. Anger is not being mad. It actually comes from a completely different place. So when anger is driving my bus, as I've learned in my IFS therapy, internal family systems therapy, or you could say when anger is directing my decisions, it is rough. And I do, I feel like anger comes from a deeper place. Yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. The article talks about feeling vindictive toward those who have hurt you. And I want to talk about this for a minute because I have found that at least in my life, that if I let that situation play out, it normally does reveal itself. And normally that person is either found out or there are consequences without me having to do anything. And I would absolutely agree. And here is what I am learning. And I'm so proud of myself that I have learned or am learning. Maybe I should say I'm still learning how to do this kind of how to let go. We are still in the middle of a situation with someone really close to us, not only in our family, but in proximity to where we live that made some really bad choices And we have had to set very firm boundaries. And what I can tell you is initially when that anger stirs up and comes to the surface, that vindictive nature that I, that I felt I, if I would have acted on them, that would have been really bad. and would have said more maybe about me than the person or people that hurt us. So I completely relate and agree with you because I've worked hard my whole life to work on my anger. I think you need to feel it to heal it. Yes. Mm. And I think you need to feel it, give it some space and then let it go and do exactly then what you said. It's going to work out. It really, really will. You don't want to lose yourself in it, but somehow, some way, whether explainable or not, I really do think it works out. I really like that feel it to heal it. I've never heard that before. Never? No. Oh my gosh. That became my mantra back in 2018. We had a stillborn baby then, and I knew that my only way through it was literally through all of yeah, it. So I knew I needed to feel it to heal it. And that is something that I remind myself in all of the situations. There has been times in my life that I've wanted people to pay for what they did, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I had to take a beat and sit back and just breathe and think about this and, not do anything because I learned way back when I worked at a job where I was not appreciated like I thought I should be and I was mistreated, my worth was not valued, that every time I felt that, mm-hmm. I wanted to go to my boss and I wanted, wanted to stick it to him. But I would tell myself, this is a temporary situation your actions or words will only make it worse. So say nothing. And their actions were always revealed. Fortunately, it's that's the way it happened. I do think silence can speak louder than words a lot of times. I would also encourage, though, anyone to that's listening that if it is a matter of you being physically harmed or emotionally harmed or your children or someone close to you, then absolutely speak up. We're not saying, oh, don't say anything if some, someone right, right. Work is um, mistreating you or oh no that they shouldn't. Do you know what I mean? But oh yeah. But yeah, in in the in the grand scheme, I do think that a lot of the times 
if we can learn to reel it in a bit, I think that more will be revealed, you know, about the the perpetrator, if you will, or the person, you know, that's in the wrong. I really do. Right. And, and if you do choose to say something, there is a right way to handle it and to wait and not do things in your anger because it, I would always have not acted as appropriately or get the same results if I acted in my anger. So, Right. And I think what we need to remember is it's okay to say things like, I'm really upset right now. I'm going to have to sit on this for a bit and get back to you later. I don't, sometimes I tell my kids, I don't want to say anything I will regret. So I'm asking you to go to your room and give me some space or I'll say, or I'm, so I'm going to go to my room and give myself some space right now. Right. You know, it's okay to take time. Yeah. We're allowed to be, we're allowed to be mad. We're allowed to feel angry, but when we are, I think we need to learn an appropriate response. And I think time, a little bit of time and space might give you some clarity on what that might be. And when you said about uh, if somebody or is being hurt to make sure that you do say something, I mean, that's something different if you, if your child is being hurt, but the reason why is, you know, even when you're in counseling, they'll say to you now, I, everything is confidential unless you or uh, somebody else is going to be hurt, then I have to say something. So, I mean, that's, that's really important to, that you said that. I like that you said that. Well, thank you. You know, you had a couple of quotes. We always like to end with a quote and there was one that really stood out to me and I cannot pronounce the name of the person who said it, but this is their quote. Their last name is Seneca. That's the only thing I can't, Lucius, maybe Seneca. Sometimes even to live is an act of courage. I really like that one. And I interpret it in two ways. One, the choice to actually do what you believe you are here on this earth to do. And I also interpret it as on those hard days where the victory is just getting out of bed, you were courageous enough to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I really love it. That, that speaks to me as well just to get out and do things and fight our battles with all the things that we've gone through in life is it is really truly an act of courage. So, and I, and I praise anybody out there that's fighting their battles and every day they're taking just maybe even one more step forward. So absolutely. Well, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other PTSD symptoms, share some life experiences with you. And as always, feel free to share yours with us or any thoughts or feedback that you have. This is Real Talk with Ann and Tina. We are on Facebook and you can find us. We would love to hear from you. 